So good to see you all in the house. Why don't we welcome those who are with us online one time, wherever you're watching from, different state, different country. Come on, give it up for them. Later on YouTube, rebroadcast. I want to say hello if we have not met yet, especially. My name is Andy, and I'm humbled to be the lead pastor, lead servant here. And if we have not met yet, seriously, come find me after service. Shoot us a DM on the website or Instagram, Facebook. Just say hello. We'd love to get to know you, connect with you. We passed these two booklets out to you on your way in this morning. This is our 2023 year in review. If you weren't here last week, please go take time, look back through all the celebrations. You can go back and watch the sermon last week that unpacks a lot of those celebrations in this booklet as well. This is where we are going, the For the City initiative, and we'll unpack more of that. But make sure you get one of those on your way out if you didn't, especially if you're brand new. On your way out, there are two black boxes right by the doors. Grab a connect card and just share with us whatever you're comfortable with so we can follow up with you. We, we mean this, that you are not a number here, that this is family. Church is meant to be a family. The body of Christ is meant to be a family. So we want to know you. We want to know your story. So please just write your name, whatever you're comfortable with, so we can follow up with you. Drop it in the black box. If you're watching online, reach out to us, Instagram, Facebook. We're not on TikTok, Snapchat, all that extra Gen Z stuff, but we're on, uh, I'm right on the line. So yeah. Had someone tell me, Andy, you talk millennial, but you dress Gen Z. Whatever that means, I guess I'm a part of both. Amen. Praise be to God. So I want to say welcome again, though. We are actually in a series that we are calling For the City, and there's multiple meanings behind this, but when we first started the church, the mission statement that the Lord clearly gave us is that we are, somebody say, for the one. And last week, we talked about how Jesus wept for the one. You look at the story of Lazarus, one of Jesus' friends, that Jesus didn't just hang out with religious people. Actually, he rebuked a lot of religious people and hung out with people that people would disassociate themselves with that claim to be religious. But Jesus had friends. Did you know that? And one of Jesus' friends passes in this story, and he weeps over Lazarus. Jesus wept over the one. But as the Lord was teaching me, as, as we're moving into a YMCA here in just over a year or so, depending on when they finished the construction, that Jesus didn't just weep over the one, but he wept over the city. This is my hometown. I'm from Westfield, born and raised. And, and the Lord has given me a burden for our city, not just Westfield, but greater in Indianapolis. And there's so many amazing churches around the city. One of the things that I always tell people when they come and visit one church is, I'm not going to try to convince you to come here. I want you to feel called here. I don't believe in a sales pitch to try to pull your arm to get you to be here, but I want the Lord, if this is your church home, if he's calling you here, then that's amazing. But if he's calling you somewhere else, that's also cool because there's so many other Christian amazing leaders out there, especially around Indianapolis. But we are, somebody say, for the city. And, and, and this message is one that I, I don't want to preach in my flesh. Can I be honest with you? There's some messages that the Lord gives me, and I'm like, I cannot wait to preach this. I'm so excited. You know, I've been thinking about it all week. And then there's some messages where the Lord says, Andy, I'm going to test your obedience. And this morning, we're going to talk about something that I don't want to talk about, and it's the word money. The moment I say that, everybody's like, okay, I'm getting a little uncomfortable. All right, Andy, I don't know. I thought I'm just visiting. You're going to talk about money the, the Sunday I'm visiting? Are you for real? But I'm, I'm in this for obedience over opinions, and that's my call to the Lord. And the Lord called me to, to share a word that's straight from Scripture. And one of the things that you need to know is this, that 11 of the 39 parables Jesus talked about money, 28% over a fourth. And so for me, as I look back, out of all the sermons I've preached at one church, it's now over 100 sermons. I think I've taken two. 
one, maybe, to talk about money. That's not something I want to talk about because I know all the gut reactions and people have been hurt by pastors with a microphone talking about money. Can we just be honest? That they've tried to use it to do a bait and switch to get you to give to something and make your heart feel some type of way. Can I tell you, I don't want to do any of that today. But I know this, that discipleship without stewardship is incomplete. If I talk to you about how to have a healthy marriage, how to follow Jesus and take up your cross and serve your kids and witness to your business co-workers and be an impact, a light in your community, but I don't talk about stewardship, I would be doing you a disservice. That I would not be loving you well as your pastor. And so the Lord convicted me and said, Andy, it's time to come back to this topic because it's so important, more than words could unpack. And I want to show a, a picture on the screen. I don't know if you've ever seen this before. Anyone ever seen 877 Cash Now? Just raise your hand. Come on, unashamed. 877. Okay, that was weak. 877. J.G. Wentworth. Now, I don't know how much money they spent on this marketing campaign, but can I tell you it worked, apparently, because we all remember it. I don't think I'm ever going to call J.G. Wentworth, but I do remember it, right? J.G. Wentworth, 877 Cash Now. But here's their tagline. Let's just all read it together. This is what they say. Let's read it together. It's my money and I need it now. Man, isn't that just like America? <laughs> it's my money and I need it now. Again, I don't believe in a bait and switch sales pitch, get you to feel some type of way so that you can do something. But I want you to know the story of the gospel. And John 3.16 is so clear. You can't miss it. It's this. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave his one and only son so that whoever believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The gospel is good news. And I want to give you three practical steps of why we are called to give. This isn't a suggestion but a command in scripture that if we're not living a life of generosity, we are living anti-gospel. Here's number one this morning. Let's jump right in. It's this. The gospel is a message of generosity. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. 1 John 4, 18 through 19 says this. And this is a passage of scripture that the Lord has had me spending a lot of time in lately. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Now think about this. Can you live in love and in fear at the same time? Think about that. Perfect love drives out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Now, I'm married to my beautiful spouse, Leanza. Shout out to my wife. We've been married for four, five, coming up on five years now, which is amazing. We've got two little girls. And one of the revelations that God has taught me about marriage is that you are at your healthiest when you sacrifice for one another out of the overflow of your heart. For perfect love dries out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. Now, if I'm in a relationship with God, and I do things just so that I'm not punished, what kind of relationship is that? Well, I should I probably start tithing, I should probably start giving. God might smite me with a lightning bolt. I don't know what kind of relationship is that. That's not a relationship. That's a religion. Some of us grew up in churches where it was so legalistic. Man, you were led, coached, discipled under fear. And I'm not talking about a reverent fear of God because we need that. 
The reverent fear of God actually leads to wisdom. Did you know that? Proverbs tells us that the fear of the Lord, a reverent fear, not like I'm trembling, like he's going to smite me, but, but bowing in reverence. Yes, he is alpha. He is omega. He is not just Jesus as friend, but he's Jesus as king and judge. Amen? The reverent fear of the Lord leads to wisdom. But I'm talking about an earthly fear. I'm talking about a fear that you don't know, watch this, that Jesus already took your punishment. That the death you and I deserve, he's already taken on the cross. That salvation is just through the blood of Jesus alone. The one who fears, this is where the Lord has been convicting me lately. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. But we love because he first loved us. Another way to understand this concept with the gospel is this, contract versus covenant. A lot of us live our life with God like it's a contract. I do well, God blesses me. I don't do well, God hates me. I didn't go to this, God must not like me anymore. Can I just let you know this, that there's nothing you could ever do under the sun to make, you, make God love you more or less. That's why Christianity is so amazing because every other religion under the sun is all about what we can do to get to God, but everything about Christianity is what God did to get to you. That while you were dead in your sin, Christ died for you. May we never, as one of my friends Jackson says, may we never graduate from the gospel. Because some of us hear the gospel and are like, I've heard that before, I've heard that a million times, but I'm not talking about information. Turn to your neighbor and just tell him this. Say, I'm talking about Revelation. Because the gospel to so many of us has just been information. Jesus died for me. I should probably do good works, good things, okay. But I'm talking about a revelation. See, a revelation, you understand, you're not in a contract with God. You're in a covenant. I'm talking about moving from only if faith, well, only if God blesses me, I'm going to tithe. Well, only if God really gives me the, the, the more square footage. We need a larger kitchen. Come on. More cabinets. Can we just be real? Well, only if. Or let's move, okay, that's contract type of faith, but let's move to covenant type of faith that says even if he doesn't. Even if God has never done one more good thing in my life, he's already done more than enough, and that's the blood of Jesus. You know the only thing we deserve, church, is damnation. Do you know that? Now, that's not a popular message to preach. That's not going to get a lot of YouTube likes, but you know that's the truth. That's all we deserve is literally eternal separation from God. But somebody praised the Lord in the house that Christ took our punishment. We don't have to live in fear anymore. We live in love. This is where Paul says, I don't live under the law anymore. It's by grace through faith. I live in grace. It basically means this, that obedience is not just an obligation. It's an opportunity. I don't have to obey God. I get to obey God. I don't have to go to church. Man, our dream team this morning together, we laughed so much. We enjoyed our time together. Because we are trying to live into the faith, and it's not a striving, but, but we know we've been bought by the blood of Jesus, so we can celebrate that. We can live into that. I love what Matthew 6 says, do not store for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store for your tre yourselves treasures in heaven, and this is what we're doing, y'all. We're trading temporary pleasure for eternal treasure. Write that down. You're, you're trading temporary pleasure for eternal treasure. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, this is a quote that I know none of us are going to want to put on our whiteboard, put on our dashboard, but I just want you to know this. 
The way we spend our money shows the purposes of our own heart more than our words do. We could give a lot of lip service, right? I love God. Romans 8, 28. Instagram, let's do it, right? I love God, man. But like when we look at our bank account, that shows what we really love. It really does because Jesus, the reason why we, he chose 11 out of the 39 parables to talk about money is he just knows that's where our heart is. Like I promise you, you start spending money on things, you start caring about it. You start getting season tickets for the Pacers, I promise you, you're going to look at their record more than you did before. <laughs> you, you with me? Pacers, I don't care about the Pacers, but I bought season tickets now. Oh my gosh, they're in eighth place in the East. Are you kidding me? It's because where our treasure is, there our heart is. That's when we, we, we start giving to a short-term mission trip. You start checking in on the person you gave to. You're like, why do I care about this kid that's across the world so much? I don't even know them. I've never even met them. It's because where your treasure is there, your what? Your heart will be also. It's so clear. You can't miss it. So Jesus says this earlier on. No one can serve two masters. You'll either hate the one and love the other. You know what I love? I'm, I'm such a sports guy. I love at the end of NFL games when the losing team, you know, they show them on like the jumbotron. They show them all like crying and like, you see that one fan that's all painted up. They've got like the Raiders, you know what I'm talking about? They look scary. It's like, like hide my daughter's eyes. Like she can't even see this, right? But I'm talking about the fans that invested so much stock and worth to that one game and they lose. It's interesting that when you invest in things that are not kingdom oriented, you end up hating them. You notice that? You end up hating the sports team. You're like, I, I didn't even know I could be this mad about a game, but all of a sudden, I just hate them. Why are they playing like this? Oh, it's because where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Jesus says this, you will either be devoted to one and despise the other. Isn't it interesting how our idols can quickly turn into hatred? It's like in Acts when, when they tried to actually make Paul and Barnabas gods themselves. We do this with celebrities, idols, and they let us down. We put people on a pedestal because they were never meant to be capital G-O-D in our life. Because you end up putting all your stock and worth into something that's not kingdom, and it lets you down, and all of a sudden it quickly turns to bitterness. That's exactly what Jesus is talking about. So I love what Psalm 86 says, and let this be our prayer for us as a church family. Teach me your way, Lord. It just starts with a posture of humility, the fear of the Lord. Father, I'm not, I'm not in control of my life. You are. That I may rely on your faithfulness. This is a verse. This is going to be your prayer for the next few weeks as the Lord leads you in this. Give me an undivided heart. Some of our hearts this morning, they're divided. You'll either hate the one and love the other. You'll have one foot in and one foot out. That I may fear your name. Verse 12, I will praise you, God, with all of my heart. Not some of my heart. All of my heart. And let me step on toes. This is how I wrote in my notes. It's really just this. If Jesus does not have our wallet, he does not have our heart. We could give lip service all day. I love God. I love God. Man, I love the church. But until he doesn't just have your relationships, he doesn't just have your time, a lot of us are like, God, you can have everything but my wallet. Like, until you start telling me to stop purchasing Amazon, no way, right? Come on. Sometimes Amazon's the devil. Let's just call it out, right? You got that reoccurring thing every three months. My, it just shows up, right? But can I just be honest, man? This, this convicts me. I love hats. I love jackets. I love shoes, man. And the Lord has convicted me. Andy, but, but what's going to burn up when I come back? 
Because like my favorite stuff, my favorite gear, it's all going to burn up in flames. You know that? I love what it says in Timothy. We brought nothing into the world. We're taking nothing out of it. So we can focus on temporary pleasure. And, and, and it's not like the Lord, you know, like he wants us to enjoy, right? But we just have to start thinking eternally and saying, God, like what's really going to last? What, what is just here, but what's kingdom legacy? Like what am I leaving for my kids? What am I leaving for their kids' kids? Psalm 24 is super clear. This would be the anti-J.G. Wentworth scripture. <laughs> the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. It's my money and I need it now. No, no, no. It all belongs to God. That, that, that's like a revelation that starts to hit me in the past few years. Everything God has blessed me with, none of it's mine. I love what my lead pastor at Trinity, Mike Kola, shout out to him. He used to say this. I am a temporary steward of all of these things. At the end of every staff meeting, we would pray, and we'd say at the, end of, at the end of the meeting, he would always pray this. It just stuck with me. He said, God, and this all belongs to you. My daughters are not mine. They're his. Now, my house is not mine. The influence, the platform, the opportunities, the gifts he's given me, just the fact that my heart is beating, that's just the grace of God in my life. In the snap of a finger, he could take it all away. The moment we think it's ours, that's when we lose the fear of the Lord. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to shift away from J.G. Wentworth. You cool with that? And we're going to shift from mine to God's. This isn't mine. So let me unpack this a little bit further with you all. Number two is this. Giving 10% is the floor, not the ceiling. Malachi 3, 8 through 10. We're going to look at an Old Testament passage here. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yeah, you rob me. You ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. So it's very clear in Scripture that there is financial blessing, but there's also financial curse. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, and there may be food in my house. And watch this. He says, what? Test me. One of the only parts where the Lord says, test me in this. You know that the Lord is usually saying, don't test the Lord. Don't put the Lord your God to the test. But, but in giving, he says, test me. You don't think I can provide for you? You don't think I can have enough food on your table? I know that that 10% seems like a lot, but he gave you 100%. Think about that. The king of the universe who gave 100% to you laid his life down for you before you ever even knew of him. He's just asking for 10. What a gracious father. And to see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Now, this is the part in the sermon that you've seen a lot of prosperity preachers go, and then we get the Lamborghini. And then, and no, 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 that's not what we're talking about. Because some of us want to obey God just to get things from him. Uh-oh. But I'm talking about not a contract faith. I'm talking about a covenant faith. A lot of us live in a relationship with God where it's like, God, I seek your hand, but I don't seek your face. That's just going to have to sit for a second. I remember in my relationship with God when it first started 10, 11 years ago, and I would really only pray to God when I needed a miracle. You know what I mean? You're like, God, I'm going to kind of box you out here and there. But the moment my car won't start, oh, my gosh, in the name of Jesus, I'm speaking in tongues. God, well, you've never been there for me, right? It's like, but it's because we seek his hand, but we don't seek his face. Psalm 24 says, this is the generation of the Lord, that they would seek his face. 
We live in America Christianity where we seek his hand. We want things from God. God, I want that platform. I want a bigger car. I want a bigger house. Why didn't you bless me like that? And the Lord is over here saying, you're living in contract faith. I'm talking covenant faith. That you don't follow God for what he can do for you. You follow God from what he's already done for you. For blessings, from blessings. The tithe is this. Hebrew, it literally just means tenth. If you're asking, where did that come from? 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says this. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly, under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, this is a New Testament passage. Malachi, Old Testament. 2 Corinthians 9, New Testament. Most people have taken this text in our day and age, and they've said, see, Andy, God doesn't require 10%. This is just like, it's all up to us. And I would say, no, no, no. That is the floor, not the ceiling. Hindsight, 10% is the floor. Jesus is saying this is where we start. Biblical tithing is 10% of your combined gross income before taxes. This is what it is, so you just know clearly. Matthew says this. Jesus rebukes the religious. He says, basically, you gave a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. What Jesus is saying here in essence, is this is not just about what you do. It's about your heart. This is all about your heart. This isn't for a big initiative. This isn't so that we can get from ecstasy. This is all about our heart. And this is why, as a church, we can go back to that Second Corinthians passage for a second, chapter 9. We don't pass a plate here. If you've been to one church before, we don't do that. And we decided very early on that we wanted the giving to come from the overflow of your heart. Not because everyone's looking at you, oh my gosh, I better put like $2 in the, the bag as it goes across the aisle, right? But, but really sit before the Lord and say, God, like, if you don't have my finances, you do not have my whole heart yet. And until he does, tithing will be more of an obligation, less of an opportunity. But when you have the revelation that obedience is not just obligation, it's opportunity, then you begin to see your investment, not just because you have to, but you get to. You say, oh my goodness, how could I bless this orphanage? Man, how could I expand the kingdom? And then it's not just begrudgingly, it's joy-filled. But this can't come from pressure of man. This can't become because, oh, Andy said I should, I, I probably should. This has to come from the fear of the Lord and your time with him. So let me break it down even further, just a progression here. A lot of us are, are, are kind of living in this stingy, wasteful category, right, where it's like, hey, I'm, I'm not giving, but I'm also not going to pay for your meal, right? Let's just go there. And then you kind of make that first step where it's like, okay, like, I'm watching my budget, but, but you know, maybe it's still blowing it here and there. And then this is the category that I feel like I can fall into. Can I c- confess before you? That, that to give the Lord, man, I, for some reason, that's just been something that has, has been like, okay, God, but man, like sometimes if I'm not careful, I could be wasteful. I'm not going to preach this sermon to you and say, I got it all figured out. Like the Lord has to convict me and say, Andy, like, are you being frugal though with every single dollar, every single penny? And here's where we move to, frugal and generous. Man, let me just show you the time frame that I think our witness is at our worst. You ready for this? Sunday afternoons from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. I used to be a waiter. Clay Terrace, you know how many people don't like hanging around Christians Sunday afternoons? I know it's really quiet in here. 
well, they didn't give me my Diet Coke the way I wanted them to. They're not getting 20%. Did we earn our salvation? What did we do for God to have love for us? Every single time I go out to eat, you could take this or leave it. I always give 20%, every single time, no matter what, at least. Because it's by grace through faith. Well, Andy, you're just rewarding them for bad behavior. No, no, no. Let me just share this. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That he what? Look at this. Forgiven. Literally, the word give is in forgiven. Think about that. Luke 7, 47. I told you that many times you've been forgiven. As great as her love has shown. Now, this is a, a passage where... Mary's uh, pouring the perfume out on Jesus' feet, and the religious are like, what is she doing? Why does she love God so much? This costs so much. Why would she just be reckless with this? And the more I've thought about this passage, the more I've realized that the more in touch that you are with how much you've been forgiven, the easier it is to give. Let me say that one more time. Giving flows out of the heart posture of knowing you are fully forgiven. The most generous Christians I've ever met on the universe are the ones that they know. He who has been forgiven much loves much. When you realize you have the revelation that all we deserve is eternal damnation and Jesus took the price on the cross for us, what could we do than just give 10%? Are you kidding me? You know what evangelism is? You ready? Evangelism shares the gospel. Generosity shows the gospel. We could walk up to our neighbor all day long at work. All day long, you know, you run into someone or a friend. You could say, Jesus loves you, man, Jesus. But you want to show them the gospel? Bless them when they don't deserve it. Show them the same love that Christ showed you. So here's where we're at. In our church world, we've decided at the very beginning that we save 10%, we give 10%, we live on 80%. we are doing the best of our ability to live into this. And if you're asking, Andy, I'm building a budget for me and my family, this is a great place to start. Save 10, give 10, live on 80 Financial freedom in that. And I want to shout you guys out again to honor. You know, I don't preach this message to say, man, we're, we're at square one. I mean, look at this. In, in 2023, was given to missions in 2023. Now, we can praise the Lord for that again, because that's just, shout out to you all. Shout out to you all. So so we're already beginning to live into this, but I think this is just the beginning. In 2022, we had $7,000 given. So that's, that's literally, we quadrupled that number from year one of our church to year two. That's amazing. That is literally due to your generosity. So please hear me and love that. When I preach this message, this is saying, hey, we're already off to a good start, but let's keep going. Let's take this up a whole nother notch. Second Corinthians 9, 12 says this. Paul says, this service that you perform when you give, it's not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people here, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. You can read more in this booklet. Man, I mean, we've, we've got missionary, we've got a missionary family in Hungary, in the Czech Republic. We've got a, a local missionary that's a chaplain with the Cleveland Browns in Ohio. I mean, the Lord is, is, is showing us that this is overflowing into so many other places and spaces. And you need to know this, that, that when you give God your yes, this is what he does. He multiplies the fruit of it. And you might be like, Andy, I, I, I only have five loaves and two fish. 
That's great. And some of us, we're in the place where we're saying, Andy, I just got married. Andy, I'm a single mom. I'm newly married. Like, like, and we end up saying this phrase, you ready? It's just not the right season. Can I tell you this? As your pastor in love, there is no season for obedience. Obedience is not a seasonal thing. It's a kingdom thing. I don't decide in my life, well, in this season, I think it's time for me to be faithful to my wife. It's all the time. You with me? I'm talking covenant faith, not contract faith. Not I do good things so that God blesses me. Church people like me. I, I have a good vibe around the religious. I'm talking I am in a covenant with Jesus till death do us part. Well, actually, till death, we actually see face to face, right? Not only if faith, even if faith. Even if God does not bless me a hundredfold in my finances like he might, even if, this is an easy decision. Corinthians goes on to say this. Each of you should give in your heart what you have decided to give. Now, if you're retired, if you're unemployed, if you have no income for whatever reason, right? I, I know it's hard. If you're like, Andy, I don't, I don't have like a gross income. I'm figuring out before taxes, all that. Then, then it might leak into a 2 Corinthians 9, 7, like, hey, pray about it with God then. Seek the Lord. What does he put in your heart to give? Here's number three, and we'll be done in just a few minutes, and it's this. You cannot outgive God. I remember a time in my life, I told you, man, if I were to be convicted, me, I, hey, the, the clothes, jackets, jersey, all of that, I, I get so deep into that sometimes. And I remember it was a few years ago, 20, 2017, 2018, something like that. I was downtown hanging out with my youth group, and something in me, like, just began to tug on me, like, man, you know what? If this stuff holds my heart, I need to start to give it away, like, like, that's the only way. Like, I've, I've got to break loose from this. And man, I gave a jersey to one of my students. And I'll never forget this. It was like, I kid you not, two, three weeks later, someone said, Andy, I've got a free jersey for you. I just want you to have this. Now, I don't believe in prosperity gospel. Oh, God, we gave you this house. He's going to upgrade us big time. You know, it's like, no, no, no. But God was showing me this. I cannot, number three, outgive God. I can't, I, like, like test him, man. I gave a pair of shoes away to someone, and all of a sudden it was like literally a few weeks later, one of my youth volunteers came up to me and said, Andy, I have a brand new pair of Air Max. I just, and the Lord was teaching me, this is not about me. He's taking me, you ready? He's taking us from a lake to a river. That's what God was teaching me. Andy, this is easy for me. You think you can outgive me? The creator of the universe, the one that spoke the sun, the moon, the stars, created you, died for you. You can never outgive me. That what we actually reap what we sow. So some of us need to move this morning, you ready? From a scarcity to an abundance mindset. I know we can play the what if game. Well, Andy, what if the stock market crashes? Well, what if crazy things start happening in our country? What if there's a shortage like there was during COVID of food? And like, I got to take care of my family. But can I tell you that I've never seen the righteous forsaken or begging for bread? But we will be, prophetically, the Lord spoke this into my heart this week. We will be a people of God that are taken care of. Like the people of God in the wilderness. One of the main names that they gave the Lord was Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh just means God is your provider. 
Every single one of your needs is going to be taken care of. It's going to be a cloud by day, a fire by night. There will be manna in the morning, quail at night. Not one of our needs has missed his sight. And he could have turned a blind eye, but... Father, we thank you for hearing our every cry. Not once did a word he speak fall to the ground. Come on, not once did a promise he make ever let us down. Though we ran from your presence in our shame, Lord, you called us out by name. Every moment, every season, every trial, even when we rejected you in denial, Lord, you were waiting patiently at the end of the aisle. And if this were not enough, with just one breath, you resurrected us from the death. Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Jireh, we put our hope in our healer and our provider because even when the way ahead is uncertain, our confidence is anchored in the torn curtain for higher your thoughts and higher your ways. So I trust in you with all of my days. Even when we walk through the fire like he promised we would, we look back to see that he was working everything for our good. Come on, so the storms may run. The storms may roar and the winds may roar, but on eagles' wings we will soar for not one time as he failed us before. Would you stand to your feet with me? Because the Lord has taken you to an abundance mindset. I love what Pastor Jimmy Rollins says. He says this, if you keep your hands open, he'll keep your hands full. And I know, I know that I know. If I wanted to preach a message for y'all to like me, I would not preach this one. I promise, okay? But I don't just like you as your pastor, I love you. And you have to share things in love that we have to hear sometimes. First Timothy 6, 17, I love this. Command those who are rich in the present age not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to their hope in God, which provides us with everything for our enjoyment. I just wanna focus on that last word for a second. It's enjoyment, enjoy. The truth is this, man, so many times in our family, in my life, I can get so caught up in the works. I, I got to do this. I, I got to keep things rolling. The Lord is just teaching me to enjoy. Just catch this. This is so important between your relationship with your father. You're blessed just because you are his child. You're blessed. His favor is on you. If you're a child of God, that's great news. But some of us, we want the favor more than we want flavor in our relationship with God. We want the favor. We, God, can you, can you do more for me? Can you bless me more? When the Lord said, no, no, no. I'm bringing the flavor back to your relationship with me. And the flavor where your relationship with God is not just barely surviving, but it's thriving. And you've got the salt that's seasoned on it. It's when you are living for God, not for what he can do for you, but from what he's already done for you. From, not for you with me? But not only are we blessed, we're blessed to be a blessing. And I want to show you this in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. This blew my mind when I began to understand this. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves what? A cheerful giver. Now, at first glance, you're like, a oh, cheerful giver. Okay, cool. We all just smile as we give. No, no, no. There's so much more depth to this. That when you look in the Greek word, cheerful, literally the Greek word means hilaros, where we get our word hilarious. Proverbs 31, 25, she is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. No, not worrying, not fear. God, I don't know if you're going to take care of me. No, 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 but let me ask you this question, church. When is the last time you trusted God so much that you laughed? I'm dead serious. Because a lot of us, right, we're taking those baby steps. God, I don't 
Test him. He'll show you he's more than capable. He, I don't have to defend him. He will defend himself. I promise. When is the last time that you had so much childlike faith in your father that you could laugh as you gave, as you blessed someone, as you paid for their meal? And they're, they're pulling the, don't pay for my meal. No, no. And, you know, really, they want you to pay for their meal. But you're like, anyways, I'm going to. You ever seen that happen, right? Let's just be real. Right? You're like, let me pay for your meal. And they're like, no, no. And you're like, okay, you got it. And then they're like, oh, wait, no. Actually, like, if you're so cool with it, like, right? Let's not be fake out here. But I'm talking about <laughs> you are so set free. You are so living in an abundance kingdom mindset. My God will never run out. He's never let me down. I've never been forsaken. I've never been left empty. He'll put a check in the mailbox, man. Someone will give me a $100 bill if I gave all my money away because the Lord will take care of you. You are his child. Here's the thing, church. We are living as orphans when we are children of the most high king. We have royalty flowing through our veins and we live like orphans. I don't know if I can give 2%. This is not for me. This is not for one church. This is for your heart. This is for your discipleship. Some of us don't trust God yet. And when we don't trust God, we don't have peace. You know, trust and peace go hand in hand. The only way you will experience the peace that transcends understanding is when you get out of the boat and you don't have one foot in the boat and one foot out on the water because you're going to flip over and hit your face, right, probably? But when you take both feet out, and you say, my God is fully capable, fully capable. But some of us, we need to move from an orphan to a child of God mindset. We don't live like the rest of the world does. You know that? We don't worry like the rest of the world does. Well, what if the stock market crashes, Andy? No matter what happens, you know that the people of God have lived through much tougher times than what we're experiencing right now. And they've been fully fine. Not only were they fine, they were flourishing. Not only were they surviving, they were thriving. They were over and abundantly. They were not a lake, they were a river to say, everything you have entrusted to me, God, is yours. So I'm just gonna continue to be a river. Let it flow. We say all the time, God, can I trust you? And he flips that back on us and says, but can I trust you? Because he wants to use you as a blessing and as a kingdom light. He wants to expand your business. Come on, he wants the church to grow. He wants us to take more ground, but he's asking us, but can I trust you with this? Because if you're a lake, I cannot trust you with that. Some of us are saying, God, I want more, I want more, but you have not been faithful with the little. Don't make me pull out the steward little quote right now. Some of us y'all know what I'm talking about. Mice turn to men when they learn to steward little. That's not my line, but that's just, Mice turn to men when they learn to steward little. Take that home with you. That's KB. When is the last time you trusted God so much you could turn on CNN? And yes, I know it's crazy. I know crazy things are happening. I'm not talking about being unaware and living under a rock. But I'm saying you see all of it and you say, my God will. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Don't worry about clothes, what you'll eat. What you... Jesus just says, seek the kingdom first. You'll have what you need. So would you pray with me? Father, we love you. This is a message, God, that I know, that I know is convicting to me first and foremost, and I know it is to many who are hearing today. 
But Lord, we did not come to just be convicted. We came to be transformed. God, we don't want to just give you lip service. We want to give you heart service. So right now, to give a response to those that say, I today am making a decision to say, Father, I don't want to have an un- I don't want to have a divided heart any longer before you, whatever that is. But I want to be all in for you. Would you just raise a hand? This isn't for me. This is between you and the Lord. And I'm gonna pray for those today that are making that step of faith. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that the yoke, the heaviness of fear would be broken in Jesus' name. God, I thank you that perfect love casts out all fear. So I speak the blood of Jesus over us, God. Father, I I pray right now for people that even want to make this decision today to say, Andy, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to give him everything today. That I want to know I'm forgiven by the blood of Jesus. Would you shoot your hand up in the air if that's you? You're saying, Andy, I, I want to live sold out for Christ. I want to pray this prayer together. Those online, those in the house, you can just repeat this after me. Father, forgive me. I repent of all my sin. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. I give my life to you. Thank you for your grace. I receive the good news that you saved me. You died for me. You rose for me. And you're the son of God, Jesus. So fill me, Holy Spirit, until I'm overflowing. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's just give the Lord a shout of praise that he's due. He's always worthy right now. I want to invite those who are serving communion this morning. For those who are serving communion, you can come forward. And it's so interesting, you know, the Lord times these things that that are not even my ideas, but just the fact that today is the day we're taking communion. And it's, it's such a good reminder that we give because we are forgiven. We don't give to earn our spot in heaven. We give from our spot in heaven. You with me? And Jesus is so clear. He gave the bread, he gave the wine to the disciples, and he said, this is my body that's been given to you. He broke it, he gave thanks. He took the cup, he said, this is the blood that's been poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. This is the establishment of the new covenant. He said, take and eat this. This is all a, a remembrance of him. Now, we're Westland here, we're juice, we're no wine here. If you're like, Andy, are we? Okay, yeah, okay. But this is a reminder that when you come forward, yes, reverent fear of the Lord, but you can come forward. If you're a believer, if today is your day of salvation, you said, today I'm giving my life to Jesus, know that you come to the table wrapped in robes of righteousness. It's only by his blood, amen? So if you wanna go ahead and come forward through the outside of your aisle, you can come and receive and then come back through the center aisle. Come out through the outside, go back through the center and we'll partake together.